Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us today. We have an absolutely outstanding show lined up with a great human being and a great guest. And we also have another human being. I see him riding into the studio on a white noble steed. Welcome to the show, the one, the only, the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, Dean Holland. Yes. <laughs> you missed a chance there. You was like, and we have another great human being. I thought that was the opportunity to really tear into me. You failed me. I was like, oh, I couldn't do it. I saw the opportunity and I think I even laughed and I was like, you know, <laughs> you know what? I just can't. Gonna say, and we've got someone else. <laughs> yeah, You guys have- got the craziest, funniest relationship slash it's pretty dysfunctional, but it seems like it works so awesome. It, it does work. So Lucas Rubik's, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much. That was a very energetic intro. I'm like, I'm all pumped up now. I like it. Yeah, good. Well, you know, when you ride into the studio on a horse, it's hard not to get excited. You know right. how to make an entrance. Yeah, yep. he knows how to make an entrance. I love it. I love it. Of course, now every now and then his horse takes a shit all over the studio and it's like, man... <laughs> You know, we didn't need that, but what are you going to do? I guess you got to take the good one. Sometimes it's not always the horse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, dear God. So, Lucas, I am really, really excited to have you here on the show today. You know, one of the things that I like what you're doing is I want to dig into your business philosophy a little bit, but just so all of our listeners understand, Lucas is a guy who helps people, you know, from wherever they are, whether they're starting a coaching business, they have a coaching business and they're trying to accelerate it and grow it faster find their, you know, their right, their way and their path. That's what he does, but he's just got a really unique take on it. And I feel like there's a lot of integrity when I see what you're doing. And so I want to talk about a whole bunch of things. But the first thing I want to talk about is why coaching? Like, why did you even get into this in the first place? And like with all the things that you could be doing, why, why this? Yeah, I'm going to drop a big bomb, but it is the truth. And it wasn't until about like maybe three, four months ago that I even started sharing this publicly in fear that it showed weakness on my part. I shared it with clients and the people I worked with, but I always had a really hard time sharing it. Literally, I think about a week ago was the first time I opened up about this with my family, or at least with my sister. She visited me here in Vancouver, but I worked on the oil rigs till I was about, I don't know, 23, 24 or so. Wow. I uh, made all the wrong mistakes, right? Six years, but I was over leveraged. I bought, I bought a house with like 5% down, had two cars with zero down. The banks were just giving me money like they would. 22, 23 year old making 140 grand a year on the oil rigs. And I was extremely depressed. I didn't even know it at the time, but the depression was turning into painkillers, was turning into drugs, was turning into alcohol, was turning into just a miserable human being at 24. Right. And I thought that's the way life just was. My parents come from a communist background. My dad, you know, they immigrated here and he's just a very tough man. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is just the way it is. You got to buck up and do what you got to do, make a buck and work hard. And luckily I started reading probably for the first time when I was 24, personal development and just trying to figure out what is this life about. 
And I mix up these dates, but I was probably 24, 25. Took a few too many pills mixed with alcohol and I had a Mossberg shotgun. And probably about one, two in the morning, I'm all alone. I just bought this apartment, by the way. Realized I got no one around me. And it was one of those nights where it was a turning point for my life of load the shotgun, put it to my head. And I'm literally like, this is it. And I had a few choices to make. And I literally thought about my mom being like, hey, she's not going to bury a headless son. I'm stronger than this. Luckily, obviously didn't do it. Still here. Extremely grateful for it because next day, it's when I tried to explain it now, when I'm trying to deconstruct it, it was like the world was black and white. And that morning I woke up and I don't know what it was, like this insanely grateful feeling. This like I felt happy for the first time in forever, just grateful to be alive. And that led into studying philosophy, really the stoic stuff like we were talking about, and trying to figure out my place in this world. That led into health and fitness as a discipline, was going to the gym in the morning, at night, changed my body. That led into the mental discipline, that led into... I was starting to train clients that led into learning about marketing that led into the online coaching and the health and fitness world that led into more of the life coaching side of things on the really personal development slash discipline slash following through with what you said you were going to do and sharing a lot of my philosophies. And that led into what I do now. And I just have such a passion for coaching because I really feel like coaches are on the front line, they can make a massive impact when it's done well. And I know every big leap in my life, whether it was in business or relationships, has been due to finding a coach, seeking a coach out or a mentor and helping me through it or showing me something I didn't know. And I'm just extremely driven internally to just make sure that more coaches succeed. I just love the space. I love talking, coaching. I love anything to do with it. And marketing is the vehicle that helps you get there quicker. Wow. Is a very quick, short story. That's a hell of a story. I did not know that coming into this. And, you know, it's first of all, I'm so glad that you made the choice to stay here. Yeah. And, yeah. You know um, what, you know, though? I used to think it was such a unique story. And when I started sharing it with people, clients, I realized that, like, I don't have a stat on this, but almost everyone I talked to about this had. I'm an extremely extreme human being, so of course I'll pick a shotgun, but everyone had some form of a story like this. It's something I'm feeling more inclined to talk about because I feel a lot of people hide this. And those early years in your 20s, I think there's a lot of like trying to find your place. There's a lot of confusion. I was an extremely angry human being, like extremely angry. Any fight I could get into, any self-harm I could inflict, I was just lost. And I was around very, you know, on the rigs, they're all amazing human beings, but probably don't live by a very good set of values or morals for the most part. So those are like my role models. And it's a more common story or a, an experience that people have gone through than I ever knew until I started sharing it. So it's actually, I was always afraid that sharing it while you're just sharing your story and trying to make momentum off something that happened. I always felt like it was a weak thing to do. But the more I share it, the more I realize that there's more people that have gone through it, especially nowadays. I think the connection is created in the story that you tell. You know, I, I'm yeah. sitting back, like I'm literally sitting back in my chair, like listening to every word you're saying. I'm like, oh, wow. Totally, totally. And that hardship, I'm such a big believer in, in. I'm so grateful and thankful for it. I sometimes wish it was 10 times worse. Like I wish I felt 10 times more pain because the rebound would have been 10 times more epic. But be grateful for what it is you're going through. There's a light. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's amazing. Not only, you know, the story, but also using that to help other people. And, you know, that's the basis of coaching, right? Like, so what is your coaching philosophy? I want to dive into that a little bit because I think 
you know, some people see coaching as like, oh, like, you know, it's this cool way that I could just, you know, kind of make some money. Yeah. You know, just seeing what you're up to and talking with you, I know that it's much deeper than that for you. So what exactly is your coaching philosophy? I think it, I saw this quote yesterday of like this guy, he's got 30 years experience in the industry and he's this big shot on social media and everyone would know who he is. And he was kind of cutting down people who are getting into coaching because they're like, well, you have no experience, like wait to get experience. And I don't agree with that because if I waited to start fitness coaching, I would have never started. I didn't know anything. I wasn't even certified at first, but I really loved what I did and I was committed to my clients. And if they asked a question I didn't know, I stayed up all night and found an answer to it. And I changed a lot of lives early on. And if I would have waited, I would have got into it. So I think you obviously evolve as a coach. When I first started coaching, it was really surfacey stuff. Like I was just watching a video and learning from it and trying to figure out which questions to ask. And I was kind of learning on the fly, but I was, my back was against the wall because when I quit the rigs, I had to sell the apartment, got rid of that. The cars went away. You know, I couldn't afford the way I was living. So I had to make money. So there was an element of that. But when it comes to the philosophy of coaching, I think start coaching. Like if you have a gift or if you've been through something, start. But I also really believe in, and this rubs some clients the wrong way, but in just extreme realism and holding people to a really high level of accountability. If I have a client who's one minute late for a call, I call them out on it and I get upset because that one minute late probably bleeds into every other aspect of your life. And like 30 seconds late to me or being unprepared to me is non-acceptable. And I think in this world of fluff and, and it's okay, you're doing great. I just don't agree with that. It's like we're living in this haze of it'll be okay. And I feel like I don't want to use the word weak because people are people and we're all trying our best, but there's an element of growing soft. And so one of my really big philosophies is you don't have to like me. You will at the end, but you don't have to like me. I'll say it how it is with respect. That's my philosophy for dealing with Dean. Like I, I see realize that. that I don't have to like him. I see that. I see that. And he's right. Yeah. But, I like him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm a really big believer in that. I feel, you know, always with respect, of course, but if that answers the question. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that you're talking about is, you know, integrity and, you know, people who are like, oh, like you shouldn't coach people until you have a certain level of experience. I think everything is kind of confusing when you try and make it a generality. And yes. when you get specific on things, it gets way clearer and way easier to, you know, kind of see things. And so I would say, you know, if you don't have a lot of experience at something, don't represent yourself as having a lot of experience with that. Yeah. You know, I agree. right. But everybody still knows something that can help somebody else. But if you're saying, oh man, I did all these things and like, you know, accomplish yes. all this stuff. Meanwhile, you don't like that's out of integrity. And that I, agree. I think is a mistake. I agree. But what another mistake is, and I think what you're saying is if you have the ability to help people and you're not, well, then that's probably a mistake too. And so you got to calibrate that. And you got to be a few steps ahead. Like I, I remember what I needed money. This is way back in the day. And I met someone at a coffee shop who needed a website built. I had no idea how to build a website, maybe some simple stuff, but I didn't know how, but he wanted to pay me a grand or $1,500. And I said, I will build you a website. And if I couldn't follow through on it, I'd give his money back. I stayed up all night. I read the books. I learned WordPress and I delivered on the website. He was extremely happy and I kept the money. I felt really good about it. So I'm all about like, just say yes and jump into it, but make sure that you can if you know internally, you'll do whatever it takes to deliver for your client. You'll stay up all night. You'll read the books. You'll visit the library. You'll seek someone out who knows the answer. Like, I don't know everything to do with marketing. I'm a student for the last five years of everything marketing. But sometimes a client asks me a question. And I'm like, I don't know if I can answer that properly. I'll get back to you tomorrow. 
and I seek out a guest I had on the podcast who's 10 years ahead of me, or I seek out a book and I always deliver with an answer. But to pretend you know everything, I don't know. I don't. I definitely don't. Well, nobody does. Nobody does. And that's why it's like so easy to spot people who are faking it because they're like, oh, I know everything. No, you, nobody yeah. does. Right. <laughs> like nobody's believing your bullshit. Sure. Right. So you might as well just own what you do know and be humble enough to realize that you don't know everything and go from there. Agree. Yeah. So, okay. So what are some of the things that you see as mistakes that people make when they're growing their coaching business? Like what are some of the top things that are just like, ah, it's so easy to avoid that mistake, but everybody goes down that road. So easy. Short-term versus long-term. It's pretty obvious, but I mean, I'm just such a huge believer in that. I make these mistakes too sometimes, but they're just hoping for a short-term gain or they think it's going to be really quick. And sometimes it is. Some people just hit and the right person sees it and they get the right opportunity and it happens. That's generally not the case. Be in it for the long run. If you can't see yourself doing it in 10 years because you just want to make a buck or you want to make some money, then I would really question why you're doing it in the first place because at least for me, the road is rocky and it continues to be sometimes. Like the obstacles are, they seem impossible at first until you kind of get a fresh set of eyes on them. And if you don't love what you do and you don't, I know I'm doing this for the next 20 years, unless something changes and I pivot, but I know I'm doing it for the next 20 years. And even if I went bankrupt tomorrow and had to move on to a buddy's couch, I probably wouldn't skip a beat because it's just a very short-term loss over the long-term. But I see a lot of people quit. It breaks my heart. Clients quit as well because they face a temporary obstacle. Something happens in their life and they quit. They fail Mm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so this whole concept of short-term versus long-term, it's like, okay, that makes total sense. Are there other more tactical? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Tactical errors that you think people make? Huge. And I'm like, I don't know why I have this thing on my chest lately because I share so many tactics to the clients lately. And I'm just like, why aren't you following through with it? So I'm so, I think I'm on this wavelength of like, hey, tactics or tactics, strategy is strategy. And then here's the actual important stuff. But yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the most obvious ones is they're not marketing to, they're doing what they think their clients want, but not what their clients actually need. And it's generally or usually two completely opposite things. So give me an example. Like, give me an example of that. Yeah. Okay. So let's say I was, well, a lot of eye marketing. I think that's a huge mistake. So they're talking about themselves, not their clients. They're not doing the research it takes to even remotely get into the emotions and the thoughts that their clients are feeling. So Oh boy, I'm drawing a blank here. But if I'm talking about doing what they're doing so long that some people become detached to where their clients or potential clients are, do you think that's ever an issue? Hundred percent. It's an issue for me. I just did this two weeks ago. I'm like, wait, am I getting? Am I like? Is my ego getting the best of me? And I literally did a massive exercise on just getting right to the root, talking to some of our clients. What is it you're actually struggling with? What is it you're actually thinking? For sure. But I think when you're just brand new or people are modeling what others are doing and they're going on their blogs and copying some of the top articles, which is great, but like actually just talk to even three people. I'm working with a client. I know nothing about their industry. I made that very clear. So I'm having him interview three people in his industry. Like, what is it you actually want? What is it you're actually struggling with? What would I have to create for you to say yes, 100%, no problem, instead of trying to guess and just create content and eye marketing stuff and stuff that just doesn't resonate. And you wonder why no one listens or no one resonates or no one does anything with it, if that makes sense. So like an example of an eye marketing thing, like what's something that you see that you just like have an eye roll when you see that? Always on social media, 
I'm all about like a personal story, like, hey, I've gone through this or look at what I'm doing or look at this hotel I'm staying at or look at this. But I think that's great. Share your life, but make sure you flip it into a lesson, into a story, into some piece of value, I guess I'm getting at. Mm. If you can't provide value on absolutely everything you do, like I don't care if you're staying at this hotel or you're reading this book, like how can you flip it, that story? And I love stories, by the way, but flip it into providing some tangible, real value. And just have a rule of like, if you have a lot of eyes in your copy, like cross them out and flip it if that resonates or makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Even a lot of the content, if you're wondering why it's not resonating, it's probably following on deaf ears because either you're talking about yourself or you're just talking about a topic or you haven't identified the problem. You haven't made it clear on the problem that they're facing so they can just come into the screens and be like, listen, this is something I could use. Hey, take notes. Hey, you know, this is for you, not me. And I think social media has a way of, and of course I'm guilty of it at times. I have to check myself always, but has a way of being kind of a, what am I, what word am I looking for? Not narcissistic, but look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Mm. I think, why do you think people do that? Why do you think they fall into that trap? Well, it feels good. I think I'm sure the ego has a massive thing to play with it. (laughs) And I speak from experience. So, I mean, if I was to answer that, that would be my answer. I have to still to this day, when I post something, I have to put the phone in the other room Like, or if I catch myself going to check it, I just have to be like, listen, what are you doing? It doesn't matter. This is your truth. You shared it. Leave it alone. If it gets two likes or 200 likes, it doesn't matter. It's easy to just get that quick hit of, oh, you know, a hundred people liked it and I'm popular and people love this. It's not about, it's not share your truth, make it about them. And if it gets two likes or a hundred likes, it doesn't matter. I know people who post stuff and delete it right away. If it's not getting the likes they wanted, like that's crazy. If you think about it, that's actually insane. Right. Yeah. Well, Dean and I both have dogs who have Instagram accounts, and I think that's what drives them to post. Nice. They're all that look at me sort of thing. (laughs) Funny. But then again, they're not running coaching businesses. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. I love it, man. Like, I love social media. I think we live, I mean, we can all agree that it's never been easier to connect with people. But man, it takes a massive amount of discipline, at least on my part, I don't know if anyone else can resonate to this, but for me, it takes a massive amount of discipline to just use it as a tool and it can become a time waster really quick. It totally can. And that's Huge. one of my things that I dislike about it, but I recognize yeah. that it's a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of the most effective ways to use it as a tool? Because I imagine that you know, for some of the people that you're working with, especially those who are starting out, this is a great way for them to connect with potential clients and things. Yeah, I'm about the 50-50. I love paid traffic. Everything we've ever built has been off paid traffic accompanied with organic traffic to build the relationships. I'm really big on both. I would not say that I'm the world's best expert on social media. Um, I definitely use it as a relationship building tool. So we drive traffic, we build the list, and every single day they're getting a video or a long form post building a relationship that leads into sales and clients. The first coaching business I built was completely organic, but that was also quite a while ago. I think it was a lot easier back then. So I'm far from the expert expert, but I think social media or or organic content, especially videos, has kind of a twofold effect of A, you're learning how to share your message. You're learning how to speak like video. If you watch the YouTube channel or anyone's YouTube channel, you'll just watch their first video watch a year later, watch a year later, and they just have keep developing. If you actually take it seriously, your speaking, your communication, the way you present an idea, your tonality, the way you speak. So I think that's a huge perk. I have all my clients, whether they post it or not, do 30 videos from day one, every single day you do a video on a topic to get the confidence to share your message, to be an authority, to speak, to communicate. And I'll have them do nine blog posts right off the bat just to work on your ability to 
write these things, of course, they become organic and they become traffic sources in the future and you're dropping seeds into the interwebs. But if you can't develop the skill of video or of writing this content, then I mean, I think that's why a lot of people's YouTube videos don't go anywhere or they're, they've been doing content forever and they're frustrated because it's not doing anything, but you haven't taken the time to develop the skill set to actually, you're not going to shoot your first video and it's not going to be awesome. Your first podcast episode is probably going to suck. So I kind of see that. <laughs> I know the, ours did. Yeah, mine did too. So like it's a battleground or it's a training ground to also develop your communication. I really like skills. The idea of developing skills, because those are the things that actually make you money. I can show you how to do a video, but if you don't do it 30 times, it's useless. Well, here's what I always think is awesome around this area. I think this is a great thing that you make people do. And one of the things I always find, and I was guilty of this, like when I first, I think my first video was 2009 that I put online. It's terrible. I still have the link to it today. It's awful. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that, and tell me if you agree, is people put these things off because I think for some reason we all think like, a bunch of people are going to see it. And the reality mm. is when you're probably starting out posting your first video, you'll be lucky if one or two people sees it. So yeah. you're really not going to get it because there's hardly anybody going to see it anyway. Would you agree with that? hundred percent. I'm all about just walking into the fire anyways. Like I want to hear someone literally just on Facebook kind of left me a message about how just something negative. And I love that. Like I can't be burned. And so if it was up to me, I want to know what people are saying about me. I want to know the negative. I want them to say it to my face. I want them to tell me the most horrible things. And then I want to walk away and realize I'm still here and it really doesn't matter. I can't be touched. I can't be burned. And if you can cross that threshold, you'll create content and you will speak your truth. You'll be speaking to your ideal clients, which is just a very small percentage of people you're talking to Mm. and everybody else, even if they don't like it, um, it doesn't matter. Like you got to get over that. So if you're watching this and you're on the fence, just start creating content right now. But after every piece, look at it and what's one thing I can do better and then apply that to the next. And in 30 days or in three months, you could be an amazing content creator. I think that's awesome. I love this idea of skill development as well. Mm. I think a lot of people look at things and they're like, oh man, like he's so good at that or he's good at this. And you know, most people didn't start out great at anything. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was something that maybe they had a slight inclination to do or even that they were scared to do, yeah. but they decided, well, I'm not going to let this thing get between me and what I really want. Yeah. I mean, if Warren Buffett came and, and taught me everything he knows about investing in a 30-day course, which he could, everything, I would not be like Warren Buffett. I would be an amateur who makes a lot of mistakes. But so knowing and then developing the skill are I guess not two separate things, but they're not directly connected. They're not proportionate. The skills are going to take a lot longer to develop depending how much time you spend on it. Mm. And if you're doing one video every month, then I mean, you're not going to create great video. I used to stand in front of the mirror and just speak because I was very bad at communicating ideas and, and I'm still not the world's greatest, but I would just stand there for half hour and just speak. And now when I get on stage, which I get the opportunity to, I'm ready for it. And yeah, yeah. So I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, like for me, one of the things that's most recent is I decided to play the drums, Mm. not having any musical capability whatsoever. That's tough. And it was hard. It's been Mm -hmm. hard. I've been playing for three and a half years now, but the same thing, right? I had a teacher and he's like, okay, here's what this first beat should sound like. Yeah. And then I go and try it. I can't even get my hands and my feet to work. And he's like, oh, that's not what it's supposed to sound like. I was like, dude, not that I'm not hearing what you're saying. Right. It's just that I can't get myself to do it yet. And I think a lot of people give up 
at the beginning or shortly after the beginning and the initial excitement wears off simply because that's when it starts to feel like I got to put in some effort to improve this skill. But everything is a skill and everything can be developed. And I love, I love that. Well, I think and just be great. Remember, is they've been learning skills from the day they were born. Like for some reason, we get older and start thinking that we can't learn new things. Like I talk about this all the time with some of our clients. I'm like, you've had the odds against you from the minute you were born and you're walking, talking, driving, riding, swimming, cooking, eating, like all these things you had to learn how to do. Like you can learn anything you set your mind to. I truly believe, I love that you mentioned skills because I think it's- such- I love that. I agree, 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, you probably see this, the clients who have been in the worst of positions. I'm just thinking about one right now who he- literally had nothing, if not less than nothing, was probably in the worst position I've ever seen. He's absolutely one of my most successful clients because he had the most against him. And that's why I just love the stoic philosophy as well. Like leverage yourself, put yourself in these difficult situations. Comfort kills progress unless you have a really strong why. So a lot of people get excited. They want to start, but it's not do or die. And I don't think it has to be, but you can position yourself for it to be do or die. You can consciously leverage yourself for it to be do or die. And I can almost guarantee you will see more success than someone who's just to do kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, completely. So Lucas, let's turn our attention to how people can get in touch with you because there's bound to be you know, some listeners who are either coaches right now or aspiring coaches. And if they're resonating with what you have to say, how can they get in contact with you and all yeah. the things that you've got to offer? Everything's at the website, lucasrubix.com. We're doubling down on the podcast. We're putting a lot of attention on the podcast lately as we grow it. It's a platform that I've been enjoying mastering. So a lot of my attention is on the podcast and the YouTube channel, which is an area of my focus right now, something I'm trying to master as well. Uh, And then we've got some free course. We got a lot of free things to get you started. And if you find those valuable and you see the value in that, then you're always welcome to reach out, but reach out after you check out all of the stuff we have to offer. So you're educated on how we do things. That's awesome. And it's Lucas Rubix, R-U-B-I-X. Dot com. We'll have the links in the show notes. Dean, is there anything that you feel like we should touch on before we go? Like I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation, but I also know we're running up against our time. I'm sure there's lots more we could unpack, but I've been loving this. I didn't anticipate some of the things that we'd bring up here, but one of the things that I'm hoping a lot of people have taken from this is really being motivated to necessarily take that next step. You know, I think in what you've shared and the things that we spoke about, like hopefully everyone's had that little push to do that thing, whether you've been putting off doing that video or you know making that offer or doing whatever that next next thing is for me one of the big things that's come out of this is like everybody should do that you know there's nothing that should hold you back so i've loved it yeah i haven't found an exception to that either like I, the people i study nowadays and the people i learn from they are predisposed or they have a massive the scale tips in favor of action it's not a secret they are always going for it over and over and over and just watching that inspires me to just I'm just going to swing the bat more than everybody else. And I will probably fail and make an ass of myself more than everyone else, but it's paid off in a very big way. And while everyone else is still kind of hiding in the bushes and thinking, I don't know if that's the only way. It's the only way I know. And so it's what I do. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's super inspiring and definitely appreciate you being here. Thanks, brother. So guys who are listening, make sure you go to lucasrubix.com to check out all of the amazing stuff that Lucas has for you there. And that's a wrap for us today. So please download, subscribe, leave us a review, tell your friends and family about Just the Tips, and we will talk with you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, 
capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamesbfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.